0: Scary ghosts, creepy serial killers, all things that go bump in the night. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. <laughs> Hello, creatures, I'm Barry Marino. I'm Philip Landry, and welcome to our brand new. Well, it's not exactly brand new because we've done this before on the old show, but now it's finally spun off until its own entity. It, I love <laughs> you say entity. It's gonna <laughs> <laughs> until its own little uh, thing. Yeah, it's its own little monster. <laughs> <laughs> this is now. This is our first actual original episode of Open Show. Let's go to the movies. Now we previously posted the movie. Uh, segments from our original podcast open shop is we posted Orphan and The Omen.
1: But we're truly birthing the show with Rosemary's baby.
0: Rosemary's <laughs> baby is our first newborn first born. We're birthing it. Newborn birthing it and we just watched it. And it's, it. it's 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 pretty 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 cool, isn't it? It is. But uh before we go on to the podcast, then we have a few things we have to talk about. Yeah,
1: we wanna like kind of talk about what uh kinda of like we wanna we've moved like just to let you y'all know now since this is the conversation, we moved what we used to do in the regular open shutters creep podcast. We used to talk about all of what we're watching. So we've moved that whole segment's gonna be part of these podcasts the movie ones yes so we'll talk about what tv shows we are watching what movies we've seen maybe what's going on with that maybe some movie news we'll talk about in here uh but number one watching the olympics are over so now i have completely gone back to being a non-sports fan for about six months until the winter olympics
0: Well, I've been a non-sports fan the whole time because I don't even watch the Olympics.
1: I only watch the. Olympics. That's the only sports thing I really do. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. And um. So anyway, what uh? So would you be watching? Anything? So let's talk about the movie we went and saw. The yeah, we saw part. The Suicide Squad. Now, not that original movie. Yeah, not to Suicide. confuse it
1: with Suicide Squad,
0: which was, just, was what 2016. Yeah, which is yeah. Yeah, which did have, which did have Margot Robbie. Yeah, Margot Robbie's like the only one that was as Harlequin. In, uh, yeah, and um, not her, not the um, uh, Viola, um, the lady from How to Get Away with Murder, Viola Davis. Yeah, Viola. Yeah, she's the only other original. Yeah, yeah original. Member, I believe, yeah. but
1: this is the Suicide Squad, the new movie. Um, and it was, I mean, we don't want to give any spoiler. It was, it was, it was fun.
0: It was I, I it thought, was a more comical I than thought, the other. I thought Harley Quinn was the best thing about it. I mean, she's always interesting. I'm just I'm just upset because
1: I follow Flula Laborg and he played the javelin and uh, I don't want to say anything but I just I want more javelin in my life. I want an actual spin off a javelin
0: movie. What we need more in our life is that hot president that came out of the pool. The problem is Did you get a good
1: look Okay the problem is You were getting him Without clothes If you look closely At Javelin Flula Borg Has a hot ass body Underneath that So he works out a lot He worked out extra Now which one
0: Which was he He had the yellow
1: and blue He was the German
0: Oh Javelin And he had the javelin Oh yeah, but I don't know, that president. <laughs>
1: okay, you can have the president. I'm getting flu, okay, flu- ta- and
0: if Flu I will take the pres if Flu ends up following us or hears about this, yes, I'm in love I with mean, Flu. If Donald Trump looked like that, he would have a lot more fans than he did.
1: I actually could probably get Flula Borg on my pass list. You know what I'm saying? You know how like, you uh, know, your partner will let you do it with somebody. Yeah, I probably wow. get that. I probably get a
0: pass. way anyway, I enjoyed it, and, and uh, you know, it, it was it was a little bit long. It could have been a little bit shorter, don't you think?
1: There was yeah, there was parts that were a little extended out, but. It was a fun role. That
0: it was, was really, definitely something you got to see in Dolby, IMAX, or something like that. Actually,
1: Okay, so you're making like, you're making me have to admit something. I tried to watch it at first, and I watched it on the HBO Max app. Thinking, okay, I'll just watch it on there. And then I went later on, a few days later, and actually went with y'all to go see it. At, y'all convinced me to go see it at the movies. And there is a big difference when you're talking about action movies like that. The movie theater is still well worth it. Wow, yeah. There's a huge difference between it and a small s, TV screen comparison. Not that my my TV is that small, but
0: on an well, action TV, movie like my that, my TV's like, like I think it's sixty five inches, but it still uh it still doesn't compare, especially Dolby. But when it comes to action things and like that, and that kind of you stuff.
1: miss details, you miss stuff that you don't yeah. notice uh, when you're looking at a smaller screen. Yeah. So, other movies, I think, that are just like dramas, they're fine just to watch at home. You know?
0: And uh, and on TV, I've been watching, uh, Curtis and I have been watching uh, Dr. Death, which is pretty good. How is that? I've been seeing it's the band It's very, before. very, I only saw, we've only seen the first couple of episodes. I think we're in the third episode now. But it's really, really good. It stars, uh, what's his name? Um, he was on uh, Dawson's Creek. Not Dawson, but the other guy. Let me see. I'm looking up. I like to Google things. Uh, here it is. Doctor Death. His, his name is uh, a Joshua Jackson. Oh, okay. He was one of the kids from um, from uh, 90210. It also stars Alec Baldwin, Grace Gummer. You know who her, who she is? She's a Meryl Streep star, and she's been on American Horror Story.
1: Oh. Okay. And um,
0: Christian Slater. As this foul-mouthed doctor, and uh, it's a uh, very, uh, it's very really really good. It's based on a true story, and uh, I, that's all I'm gonna say. I yeah, don't spoil. Don't spoil Now I've been getting into. I bought a DVD player because at work I have a lot of free time. It's really an easy job. There's really not a whole lot for me to do. I basically just take money, uh, ring up sales that come in, you know, and it and it's. Not a whole lot that I do. So I got a little DVD, a little portable DVD player to play some, watch some movies. And I've been going buying some DVDs. And when I, um, when I, uh, I was been listening to fr- Late Night Frights with uh, with with Dan and and Faith. You know, they're, they're our Baton Rouge friends. They have the Late Night the, the movie podcast. Now we have like a they're almost like our sister movie podcast, but anyway they talk uh, they did, I listened to an the episode they did about Clint Eastwood, a High Plains Drifter and a Pale Rider, which are two kind since they're a horror movie uh, podcast, and they don't do a whole lot of westerns. They chose two that are kind of like ghost stories. Have you seen either one of those movies? It's been a while. High Plains I've, Drifters from 1973, it's and been ben a, Rider, I believe, is from 1986. It's been a well, while. I bought those DVDs. I haven't seen them yet, but what I have been watching are the Dirty Harry films.
1: Okay, and it's
0: those are really cool because then you see some of these actors when they were younger and when they weren't, you know, when they weren't uh, stars yet, and um, they're really all kind of rough to her Dirty Harry they're really all kind of rugged we actually might cover like, the whole series i cover them one, at one point but um, some of the actors I've seen and I've only watched the first two Dirty Harry and Magnum Force Now, Magnum Force has actors like David Soul, you remember from Starsky and Hutch before Starsky and Hutch and Robert Urich from Vegas and uh, Tim Matheson and they're all young in this and there's even a small part with Suzanne Somers Oh, yes. Man. And it's just it's made the same year as American Graffiti and she has a scene where she doesn't you don't know, she doesn't speak anything. But what happens is this, it happens at the beginning so it's not really a spoiler. She she's she's in the pool and she takes her top off and she gets shot right between the tits. <laughs> Spoker. So it's an obligatory tit shot with an yeah, actual shot. With, with A yeah. bullet shot. With, with violence and sex all at once. <laughs> I remember her talking about it on Johnny Carson. And Uh-oh. she says, she says, oh yeah, I'm in this movie Magnum Force and I get killed. I'm in the swimming pool and they shoot me right between uh the... mm. And she did like that. That's hot <laughs> She didn't want to say, you couldn't say tits on TV in 1970. No, no, you couldn't. There's I think you issues. could say boobs, but she didn't even say that. She was kind of like, you know when she was saying that she got shot between. Nowadays, now an actress would she be like coming out and saying, "Hey, I hey, got." She, she was kind of, uh, oh, that's you know, my titties were out and. You Nowadays, you now the actress would be
1: proud of it, like like just say, "Hey, that's." But she was
0: hot. actually embarrassed. I mean, you can see she was kind of blushing when she said it. Yeah, she's a different generation.
1: Hopefully, they had
0: paid her well for that. <laughs> well, I mean, she was a, pretty much a, a, a glorified extra more than anything. <laughs> I mean, having to get shot between the tits, I'm sure she got paid a little bit better than the other actors <laughs> did. I'm sure she was SAG, you know. Uh, so, anyway, and uh, anything else? That, that's about all uh, we've been watching. What? Oh, no, you skipped over one. I had a couple of things I wanted to No, say. I'm
1: asking you, though. Oh, you, me? So, oh, yeah. me, me, me. I'm turning it over to you. Okay, well, <laughs> always I like to... Co- I'm one I'm that ventures out and doesn't mind watching things that are dubbed or subtitled a little more. I like to watch... I'm really into a lot of Asian horror, And South Korea is uh, producing, the Korean um, horror market is, like, just really, really ripe with some really good stuff right now. And if you haven't seen The Kingdom, it's called Kingdom on Netflix. Uh Uh-huh. It's really, really, really good... um, Kind of about, like, zombies. I'll just leave it as zombies. I don't want to say too much. But they just spun off a movie. Like, an individual movie that's part of that kind of... the kind of the same... uh, It's made by the same creators and all. And it's called, actually, Kingdom Ashen of the North. And, uh... I don't want to say too much, but it kind of has, like, a kind of a vigilante kind of feel to
0: it. Ah, okay. So, well, don't say too much, because I might watch yeah, it, too.
1: But it's different than, um, it's different than the, it's a little different than, it's still got the historical horror fiction I
0: thing going can, on. never can, I, I never can know what annoys me more. Subtitles or a dub movie? In some ways, I prefer the dub movie, because I can hear them without crocheting or something. I don't have to constantly be looking at the screen. But then, in other ways, the, sometimes the dubbing is so bad, and the, the the and the you know the actors doing the dubbing well, show no emotion at all.
1: Well, you're actually going to want to like. This is not the type where you're just going to want to listen. You're actually going to want to look because they yeah. really put a good budget into the vision. Now,
0: one movie I saw that was it was a Chinese movie that was dubbed was Crouching High, Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I saw It's it one of my subtitles. favorite movies
1: of all time.
0: And if you ever watch the English language version. The actors themselves, like Chu Young Fat and who's the other one, Michelle Yo. Yes. And the, uh, they actually speak English. Yeah. And they dubbed themselves. So they have all the emotion and everything in the voices. They're, they're acting.
1: And they remember doing whatever the part was so that yeah. it helps with their voiceover. And it actually almost
0: looked, fits them well, The dubbing yeah. was done so well, a match to the lips so well, you would think that it was actually filmed in English.
1: I still think there's been very few movies that have matched on that dubbing experience. Of, that uh, was one of the best ones I've ever seen. None of them perfect.
0: None of them are perfect. But that one is pretty good. It doesn't look like a, a drag show where the queen doesn't know the words to a song she's lip syncing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was one of the, my best. Actually, we we need to we need to cover that movie at some point too, sometime in the future. When you know, which and Tiger, yeah, Crouch and Tiger,
1: Tiger? Tiger And yeah. that. That transform. That's so important when you talk about foreign films. It was probably, it it really broke down some barriers and things for foreign films. It really did. Yeah, we're right. We might actually. uh, That's a really good one. Yeah, because we
0: could cover it. I mean, we could just we could do a couple of movies from uh, with the Fimo and our other podcast. But if we want to do something different, we can. That's why I wanted to do this. That's why I wanted to do this and and spin off because we yeah. can have a little more wiggle room in the kind of movies we do and everything.
1: Yeah, but we're gonna. But at the same time, though, we are gonna keep. We are every month, though, we are gonna have a lot of movies that do go with the theme that's going on in the in the uh, regular podcast. Like tonight. But we're gonna do it in in this, so it's gonna go along. So it's gonna kind of coincide. It's kind. It's kind of like you know how Discovery Plus and and all those natu- they're all doing the. Um, you have the different Shark Week like things Shark Week, yeah. going on, and everyone... we're going to
0: do Shark. We're going to do the Shark thing next year. We're going to do the Jaws and Sharknado and a few other ones. I think. Oh that's my God. <laughs> we got so much fun. We I love the again. Sharknados. Okay, well, we, we, that's we, how, we,
1: I, I will give you start on that. One
0: thing I want to tell but, us,
1: but, go ahead. But we got one more thing we got to talk about that we've been talking about every week. We had a new, I'm not going to give you spoilers, we had a new American Horror Stories come out this week. Oh, yes.
0: It's called Feral. And I haven't seen the uh, the last week And it's
1: yet. got, oh my God, his sexy ass is in there. Cody Fern.
0: Oh.
1: If y'all love Cody you know, Fern, y'all got to watch it. There
0: is it. a campaign on Facebook. For him to get cast as Lestat in the new Anne Rice vampire you were telling me that Seriously. I'm excited about that. I'm I think excited. I, I think it's on. I don't know if it's on FX or AMC. It's one of them. But I think I can't think of anybody better that's acting today to play Lestat.
1: I mean, come on! I mean, the hair alone in H.S. Apocalypse that that whole Vidal Sassoon quaffs hair going well, on. One, well, one of, the, gir- was one worth of the
0: girls on the on the Facebook page said oh, no, he's too old, he's 30, and Lestat was only 21 when he was turned. I said, you really and truly need somebody older than 21, for one thing, because Lestat's now hundreds of years old. He's not just 21 anymore. First
1: up, mm-hmm. I don't know many actors out there that have the right look. He does. One of, I mean, period. They,
0: they did some stupid things. Like in the original interview with the vampire movie, everybody thought Tom Cruise would be terrible. I thought he wound up being pretty good as Lestat. I, think, you know, I didn't think he, he did a bad job at all.
1: It's one of the things, and I'm going to be honest, people could hate me for this. They can say, hey, mail I'm not the hugest fan of Tom Cruise. No, but neither am I.
0: In Interview with the Vampire, he did listen. Yeah, he, he brought it. He brought it. And but, but the problem I had with the casting was Antonio Banderas as Armand. Now, Armand's turned when he's like 15 years old. I thought Armand should have been played by maybe like Leonardo DiCaprio back then, when he was young, because he... Armand doesn't isn't Antonio Banderas was thirty three and he looked forty. A, there's always casting choices. It I was a really, it was really, really miscast. Yeah. Now, uh, now uh, Armand, although you know Anne Rice characters that Arm, that Antonio Banderas could have played, but not Armand. He Armand's supposed to be like he He's turned when he's like fifteen. He's a slave boy in Rome yeah. when he gets turned. We're, that's Once
1: again, that's another movie we're going to have to do. Although, we're saving that because we will eventually be doing a monthly thing which is going to deal with all kind of well, we vampire say, cults and We, we say, and vampires, say vampires, vampires
0: in our um, in our opening, so <laughs> we got to do yeah. vampires at some point. No, I, we will have an entire month of Now, vampires. tonight's movie is coinciding with the theme of our, our yes. other podcast, which is The Devil Baby Do It. And tonight's movie started that trend of the devil movie. It's a 1968 movie, Rosemary's Baby, directed by Roman Polanski, starring Mia Farrow, John Cassavetes, Ruth Gordon, Sidney Blackmore, Maurice Evans, who played Samantha's father on on Bewitched, and Ralph Bellamy. And it's a debut film of Charles Grodin. He plays a young doctor in this. He was
1: cute in there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And we're going to talk about some of the, the development and the casting and everything. But first, we're going to talk about the plot. It's a young couple named Guy and Rosemary Woodhouse. They move into this large Renaissance revival apartment building in New York City. And their friend Hutch, played by Maurice Evans, Guy is played by Keon Cassavetes, Rosemary is played by Mia Farrow. Uh, they disregard Hutch, played by Maurice Evans, uh, warning about the the building's dark past with witchcraft and murder. They go like, "Oh no, I don't believe in that hocus pocus kind of thing." <laughs> so Roseberry meets a young girl named Terry in a, a recovering drug addict in the laundry in the laundry room, and she says that she has been uh, taken in by an elderly couple named uh, Minnie and what, what's the husband's name? Um, Roman. Roman. I and mean, Minnie is played by Testament. the wonderful, wonderful, lovely, we just love her, Ruth Gordon. Yes! yes. She's actually going to get a series. I mean, we got to do Harold and Maude at some point. She
1: earned every bit of that Academy Award in Rosemary's Baby.
0: And uh, and Roman is played by Sydney Blackmer. Now, yes. um, Rosemary, and they're coming home one night for you know, A friend from dinner or whatever, and someone has died, has jumped from the from the rooftop of the building, and it turns out that it was Terry. Yeah. And she was wearing a piece of jewelry with that had the tennis root in it. Tennis root. Tennis root. Yeah. So then here come uh, Roman and and Minnie, and they're all like, "Wow, that's impossible! She couldn't have killed herself. She was so happy." Blah blah blah. So Roman and Manny, now that Terry is dead, they take Rosemary and Guy under their wing. So Guy is is an actor, and he's up for a role in the play, and another actor gets it. He doesn't get it. But all of a sudden, the guy goes blind, the dude that got the part, the actor, and for no reason at all. So Guy gets a role. Little red flag number one right there. Didn't you see that? Mm-hmm. So, Guy um, and Rosemary, um, they they go over, uh, by uh, Minnie's house, and she they have dinner. They have these very rare steaks and this big old what <laughs> was that cake? I want some of that cake.
1: That cake looks good. Every but time I and see he it. ate
0: two pieces. I'm like, good lord, I couldn't. That was a good looking cake. It looked good, but you know it was heavy. I know I, my blood sugars would be up. <laughs> so. um... It's a night of the, 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 so Guy and Rosemary, now the guy has a good paying job, he's making good money, they decide they're going to have a baby, and it's a night that Rosemary is fertile, it's a fertile night that she can conceive, and Minnie sends them each a chocolate mousse, and Guy's eating his, and Rosemary says Hus has an undertaste that she doesn't like like, a chalky undertaste. So uh guy, guy shames her for not wanting to eat it, telling her she's complaining about everything. So she eats a few bites, and when he's not looking, she empties it into her napkin. And uh, before long, she's cleaning up the napkin, cleaning the chocolate mousse off her napkin, and she starts getting dizzy. Oh, yeah, the drugs kicked and in. And there was drugs in there. She was drugged, and the guy takes her to the bed. Oh, we get to see a lot of Mia Farrow's boobs in this next scene. <laughs> I don't think she ever showed boobs again in the movie. Now, we got to talk more about that in the second half of the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, um, it's followed by this big old scene, and everybody's naked. Thank God they didn't show those old people's titties and shit like that. Don't you think? Aren't you glad? I really don't want to see Ruth Gordon's boobs. Ah. I really didn't want to see Ruth Gordon's boobs. But... Need to be body positive now, Barry. But this, uh, but Roseberry, at the time Mia Farrow was like twenty-two, so she has this great body, of course, you know. And uh, but but of course, like I don't think we've ever seen
1: like a whole like naked group, a coven of people since probably uh, until midsummer, basically. Yeah, mid, but
0: midsummer showed everything. Oh yeah, and it was the guy they, they yeah, were. Yeah, it was a man. Oh, yeah. And they, they showed everything on him. I mean, he was frontally nude. Yeah. Um, that's a movie we got to do. Anyway, well, yeah. uh, but anyway, so she feels, she's dream- she thinks she's dreaming. that She's yeah. getting raped by this big creature. Yeah. And it's, uh, at one point she realizes that she's she's awake and she goes, this isn't a dream, this is really happening. But, of course, she wakes up the next morning and she's she, sure it's a dream, but there's scratches all over her. And he says, "Oh, I forgot to cut my nails." He, he tells her that he went ahead and screwed her while she was passed out, <laughs> which is kind of like marital <laughs> rape, don't you think? Mm. So, of course, you know what results in this? She gets pregnant in the last week during the do, and she's due the last week in June. So the um, the uh, Roman insists that uh, they go to his friend she is going to a doctor she's going to charles grogan but roman Do- dr. Is, hill. Yeah, yeah, doctor, dr hill yeah dr hill dr hill but roman insists that she goes to his friend play doc, what's it, what was the doctor's dr. name? dr safferstein yeah played by ralph bellamy Yeah. oh yeah classic uh <clears throat> classic uh hollywood actor and uh, she goes to him And she starts going to him, and, and Min, Minnie starts giving her these smoothies. Don't do don't, they look
1: delicious?
0: Oh, I'm no, joking. They did not. <laughs> no, they did not. They looked like puke. I think they did some tannins fruit there and there's like, something in there, and Rosemary's getting really, really sick, and she's in pain, and she just looks awful. Oh, yeah, we forgot about the part where she gave... Rosemary Terry's Tannis jewelry. Did I mention that? The jewelry with the Tannis. Yeah, you did. You didn't oh, mention I that. Oh, I did mention that. Okay.
1: No, but I said, didn't they have Tannis root in the, in uh, it, yeah. in the drink as well? The like and the vitamin drink. Now, Rosemary
0: uh, now, now their friend that was, uh, uh, which is Hutch is starting to get suspicious of some things. And Rosemary goes and talks to him. So he tells, he, he starts doing a little bit of research. And when it turns out he had um he he tells rosemary he has something to show her to meet him the next day where was she supposed to meet him in at, at, uh, on um like a forty second street somewhere or something somewhere in, yeah. in, in Manhattan and when she goes he doesn't show up and she goes home she's still feeling all sick and everything and when she calls they said that he got sick. And he he he's in the coma in the hospital right now. So anyway, Roseberry is starting to get a little bit weird. She's getting a little bit sick of Minnie and Roman, and she's getting a little bit sick of the um. She she's still beginning to suspect that the she was also looking a little sick. She was looking really peaked, and she's starting yeah. to suspect that the the uh, the smoothies and the and the the they didn't call them smoothies back then. They called them something else, but they were pretty much what we call smoothies today.
1: It was some kind of herbal concoction, yeah, herbal concoction of some kind. Something.
0: And she gets really suspicious that that there's something wrong with that. She gives her a little piece of cake too. So one day she decides she starts throwing, you know, pouring them down the drain. And she has she has a party. She decides she wants to have a party with her own friend with a bunch of her own friends. Because she's not even allowed to be around people her own age. She's around all these old people all the time. So, and of course, you know, Guy is just constantly shaming her. So, they were trying to get her to go to a different doctor. she decides she wants to get a second opinion by Dr. Hill. Guy is, gets pissed off about it. He well, yeah, because she's been rage.
1: experiencing all this pain for like a while, for weeks.
0: And because yeah. she stopped drinking the smoothies because she's still throwing them away, pouring them down the drain... The pain goes away, and she starts feeling better. So... And then she starts feeling the baby move. And the baby starts moving and everything. Mm-hmm. So then about three months later, she's already showing and everything. Hutch's friend calls her and tells her that Hutch died. and But before he died, he briefly regained consciousness and said to give uh, Roseberry this book on witchcraft called All of Them Witches. All of Them Witches! And there was a cryptic message. She said, uh, the name is an anagram. Well, first she thinks that means the title of the book. Then she finds out that um, that Roman Cassavette is actually an anagram for Stephen Mercado, the son of a former brand, uh, a Satanist that lived in the, in I the got, building. i got to
1: stop you for one moment. Can I name my non binary uh, memoirs all of them
0: bitches? Oh, them bi- all, all, bitches. All of them be- bitches. bitches. Yeah. Is that all of them witches? All, all of them, them bitches. bitches. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Continue.
1: I just had to throw that in there. So then she,
0: she starts to suspect that the uh, Kazovitz and, and Dr. Speranstein belong to a satanic cover and they, they're trying to get her baby. She thinks that they're trying to get her because they want the baby's blood to make it, you know, to make the, for the strength. Oh, yeah. And he, and so Guy throws away her book, which pisses her off. So she goes to Dr. Hill for help, and she goes to, she, she goes to a bookstore, and she buys a couple of books on witchcraft. And she goes to Dr. Hill, she's kind of like begging him, please, please, please help me. And, um, he talks to her, and, he, and he, t- he says that he believes her and everything. We think of that. And he tells her to lay down and rest. And she kind of falls asleep. And when she wakes up, he has <coughs> Guy and Dr., how do you say his name again? His Dr. Name? Saperstein. Saperstein come and get her. And they take her, and they of course they drug her, and they bring her back to the house. And... God, next thing you know... And that
1: really... That whole scene really shows you how much before... like, Because you got to realize the women's movement was going on at that time. That little scene really shows you how much women did not have control yet over oh, their they bodies. Had, they still had no over control. Over their bodies.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, over anything. Over their whole lives. Their bodies, nothing. And she wakes up and some of the uh, uh, Millie and Roman's old friends tell her that the baby she, she the baby was still born and they take you know so they take her milk they, they express her milk and she asks what they do with it she says well, we throw it away well that's not what they really were do Yeah they
1: keep that. trying to bring her meds and she keeps And, the the and she keeps like putting them in the little bricks she
0: keeps putting them in the little crevices in the bricks yeah. so she is determined she is going to find out what's going on so they don't know she you know they, they think that she's just socked out on a, in the bed and she gets into having some kind of gathering with, Ro, with Minnie and Roman. Oh, yeah, before that, she got Minnie and Roman to go to, she, she got Dr. S- uh, Silberspeen, however you say his name. Saperstein. Saperstein. <laughs> she got Dr. Saperstein, <laughs> told her that uh, Roman was dying, and she got him to talk him into going on a trip to Europe. And so Minnie and Roman leave, so we think. So
1: we think, But
0: by the time she gets back to this, Minnie and Roman are there. They didn't leave. Mm -mm, They were there. And they were there. And, oh, it's so funny. One of the actresses is in there was a lady that played Aunt B's friend Clara on Andy Griffith's show. (laughs) You remember she used to play the organ in the church? It's so funny seeing her as a Satanist. Oh, I know. So, so Rosemary's coming there. She's got a knife. She's just ready to just anybody that gets in the way. And she sees the baby carriage and all in black and everything and with the upside down cross hanging over it. And um, one of their friends, what was her name, the woman? Um, she was played by Patsy Cow, Laura Louise is, uh, screams, stay away from your baby. Get with you. Oh, yeah. Here. And so Rosemary goes over and looks at the baby and she's like horrified. She goes, what did you do to his eyes? He says... They said no, oh, he has his father's eyes. She goes, no, guys' eyes don't look like that. His eyes are normal. He goes, guys, not his father. Satan is his father. So each one says, "Hail Satan!" Now I could see Ruth Gordon say, Hail, "Hail Satan!" Satan. <laughs> but Clara from Mayberry, no, she says, "Hail Satan!" And that just looked a little off. Didn't that was it? that was the funniest. He's like, "Hail Satan!" <laughs> it was yeah. it was so cheery. It, was, it just smiled. smiled <laughs> And I'm sure that same week she did an episode of the Andy Griffin show where she was playing bringing no. in the well, sheaves. No. no, because it's like you had
1: Romans say it like so deep, like, Hail Satan.
0: And, and it, but here's her, Hail Satan.
1: Like, uh, uh, like, you, think gonna, yeah, like <laughs> you think she's going to have like, some little pom-poms. Well, it like was a like name. Um, it
0: was funny. Oh, Hope Summers, that's her name, yeah. And uh, there's some other people in there we're going to mention in the second half of the show. So anyway, Rosemary at first is really horrified. She just gave baby, the devil baby. Yes. But then eventually she sees Laura Louise. She's rocking it too hard. The baby keeps crying. She goes, you're rocking him too hard. She was rocking that shit too hard. Let, I, I, I let the, me do it. And she goes, don't you come near this baby? She says, she, and Roman says, no, Roseberry's his mother. Let her. And she winds up accepting the baby as hers. And that's how we end. So, we are going to take a short break. Yes. Break. We're going to run out of one of our our friends. I believe it's. Uh, we're doing the. Um, the we're what, film, be film rage. rage. We're doing film rage, and we're going to do a, a our regular open shelters uh, trailer also, and we will be right back. As some of you may remember, and if you're new to our podcast, I have another business that has finally become live on the internet. It's Barry Marino's Craft Creations. I have made ha- afghans, hats, scarves, and much more, and more coming weekly. Great thing is, we sell holiday items all year round, so you don't have to wait till that special time of the year to order what you will like and enjoy. Thanks to our ROZ, it's an easy, interactive website to see what has been put on the internet. And after a long wait, finally, we got the Gentilly Lace line of candles live. We have wonderful scents for any household or just for the season. Also, be on the lookout for our Christmas and New Year's holiday candles. And guess what? Our seasonal candles will have something a little special in them. A little out of the ordinary, but we have put charms in the candles. From King Cake Babies for Mardi Gras to Champagne Flutes for New Year's. So look out for our website. Barry Marinos Craft Creations dot com. That's B A R R Y M A R I N O C R A F T C R E A T I O N S dot com. Okay, we're back. Um, and um, we talked a little bit about the casting. Uh, originally, uh, the, the casting began in the summer of 1967, and he originally envisioned Rosemary as a full-figured, robust girl-next-door type. He wanted Tuesday Weld or his fiance at the time, Sharon Tate. He also um, Patty Duke and Goldie Hawn were also considered uh, for the role, but at the time, Mia Farrow was really, really hot. She had just come off the TV show. The TV show she was on was called Peyton Place. Oh, this yeah. This is a little bit before your time, but you think of Peyton Place. You remember how hot Desperate Housewives was in its heyday? Oh, I heard Peyton Place was even more so. You remember how hot Dynasty and Dallas were in the I uh, No, I heard Peyton, Peyton, Peyton Pace was Place was even
1: more. like was... Define the culture. Uh, of, I mean,
0: people stayed home. It came on twice a week. Uh, I think it came on either Tuesday and Thursday or Wednesday and Thursday. And, um... So anyway, we were talking about, uh, yeah, when Patty Duke and Goldie Holm were both considered. Uh, so yeah, we, uh, we were talking about, uh, about Peyton Place. Peyton Place was as hot as Dynasty in Dallas was in the 80s. It was as hot as Desperate Housewives was in the 2000s. And Mia Farrow became a big star from Peyton Place. And she had just left. She had just left the show. So she would. They, they, they knew that she would get some box office. And Robert Redford was a first choice as Guy. He turned it down, and then Jack Nicholson's w- was also considered. They finally settled with John Cassavetes, um. Which was an excellent choice, yeah. I, I think. Now uh, Ruth Gordon and Sidney Blackmer were basically stage actors. It was before, this was Ruth Gordon's first big movie roles see ruth gordon's movie career came later in life right you know she she was in her 70s when she did this and then she had a biggest role that she's the most known for just a few years later harold and maude
1: but i'll be honest i know you say a harold and maude but but here's the thing for a lot of you my generation know it's rosemary's baby that survived more in the consciousness later on That's
0: because you're into the horror movie thing But no, people, but, uh,
1: but actually a lot of kids In my generation are into the horror movie thing But both, So we know Ruth Gordon More For Rosemary's Baby That's just to show you I'm how talking, call, But
0: Harold and Ma was a lead role Rosemary's Baby was just a supporting Well role. I understand
1: Harold and Ma was a lead role a generational but, the, but generationally She became more important to our consciousness And Rosemary's Baby
0: And she also did another movie with George Segal around that era called Where's Papa, where she plays a, you see, you wouldn't be making fun of a senile person today, but she plays a senile old lady who, you know, probably had some kind of dementia, who keeps on thinking that that her son is her husband, and keeps on asking where he is, her long dead husband, and it's supposed to be a comedy, it's... It, I really and truly found it disturbing, to be honest with you. Especially, I don't like seeing Ruth Gordon being treated like, yeah, like that. I want to see Ruth Gordon. <laughs> I think Ruth Gordon should be like fun and funny, and Harrelson Ball. Mm-hmm. Minnie was like that too, you know, just upbeat. Uh, what do you think about some? And 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 there are some people in here that we you, you probably probably some of us would know from other things. We mentioned earlier Hope Summers, who was Aunt B's friend on The Andy Griffith Show. And one of, um, of Rosemary's friends was um, Emmeline Henry. And you know what she's known for? Mrs. Bellows on I Dream of Genie.
1: Yeah, you pointed that out. I didn't. Yeah. Actually, until you pointed that out, I actually never noticed that before. <laughs> until you pointed it out tonight. I was like, so, oh. okay, we're
0: going to talk about some of the performance. What did you thought about Mia Farrell?
1: excellent I, I really do a really know. good job yeah I really and, 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 and I have to admit I think it would I think her placement in there conveyed the character
0: yeah yeah she but she was just she was right for the role and John Cassavetes...
1: I think he was a per- he did an excellent job. He was a perfect casting because he didn't take away from MIA Pharaoh. Like you say, if they put Jack Nicholson in there, that would have been like and Robert been, Redford too. Robert Redford, that would have taken away to the point. And would, it would have been, been hard. It would have
0: it been hard to believe that Robert Redford couldn't get cast in anything. face you know? <laughs> see Robert Redford. Yeah. Yeah. And um, okay, okay, this is the best one. No, uh, we, we both we're gonna agree on this because we love this one. Ruth Gordon.
1: Oh, I mean, that's that. There's there's nothing you can say. Perfection, golden. It was the sauce. It was the sauce.
0: Yeah, she she made it. You know. You will not hear
1: me say that often. And you you
0: mentioned <laughs> about her costume. Oh, uh, wardrobe.
1: Okay, I give whoever the stylist was one hundred percent credit because that was some of the best late
0: sixties fashion ever. Yeah, and they dressed this woman in her seventies. Dressed like women in their twenties and thirties, dressed in those days, and they're with all the bright colors and and, 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 and the that heels. and that
1: was in a sense that's kind of progressive because a lot of times for that era, you know, they they look at women like that and they make them out to be like overly kooky or something wrong with them or whatever, but they've made her a fully developed character wearing these really, like loud colors And out. it wasn't like she
0: was dressing you know like a lot of older people when they dress younger they dress younger for their own era like you'll see some of these women right. in, in their in their like 70s and 80s that are still dressing dressed like the 60s and 70s yeah the farrah fawcett hair and right. everything like that or you'll see some of these these 40 and 50 something women still dressed like the 80s with the big old hair and all that kind of thing And they don't normally dress like the contemporary time. She was dressing like contemporary younger people.
1: Yes. But one of the best pieces of fashion is when they're, I remember when um, it was around Christmas time and and, uh, Mia Farrow is looking at the windows and looks at the nativity scene. Here comes Ruth Gordon. She has this red hat on. That red hat Mm -hmm. was everything. That red hat was giving me life okay? It's <laughs> giving you life. <laughs> I was like, because she, she was just rocking the red
0: hat. Now, Sidney uh, Blackmore, yeah, he, he was he was okay. He was, um, he was adequate. There are other actors that could have done what he did. You know, and Maurice Evans, I think for the short time he was on, on the screen. He did really well. Now, this is the, this is the thing that's kind of ironic about this. He plays this, the, the man that's warning her about the witches and everything. And, Gives her the book, says, all of them witches. And (laughs) and you know what his most famous role is? (laughs) You know? Maurice, Samantha's father, on Bewitched. Yes. It would kind of be like Agnes Moorhead playing the old lady trying to save Rosemary, you know? That would be too much. If Agnes Moorhead would have been in that... She's one of them that could have pulled off the Ruth Gordon character too. Oh, if you were she talking to about we were about to talk about contemporaries, yeah, yeah. And she would have played. And she would have played it different than Ruth Gordon did. Now we don't really have anybody today that could pull it off the way Ruth Gordon did. I don't. Think. You've asked
1: me that before, and I'm sitting here. First off, if they made Rosemary's Baby, I don't know if I'd right. want. I, I would want it up. First off, I would not want it remade to that time frame it would need to be remade to this time. Well of it time. was
0: when they did the they did the mini however, series. However
1: however actually we did kinda of get a glimpse of what that would be. Because if you look at the murder house season of American Horror Story, there is kind of a Rosemary's baby kind of underlying theme. Yeah she has on.
0: given birth to the devils. And honestly the, Jessica Lang
1: uh, kind of did fill that role so that it kinda well, Actually like, she probably could. It would be different. It was but, different, but Jessica Lane kind of did yeah, that kind of role. Yeah, And it put it more in a, instead of a New Yorker kind of package that Ruth Gordon was pulling, it brought it in a Southern kind of package. Yeah. Of Because she was like from Virginia or whatever, right? Yeah, she
0: was Southern one, but she was living in California. So, um, but yeah, it made that, that
1: could work. And I would say if there was ever a full Rosemary's Baby done in the now, like in this time uh-huh. frame, I would like to just see it maybe done with a more diverse cast, something different, so that it doesn't feel like a complete copy of the old movie. I feel like the time frame and stuff, it needs to be something that's newer for nowadays.
0: Oh, and I was right. You know, the little lullaby that's sang in there, the la, 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 la. That is sung by Mia Farrow.
1: I know. That sounded
0: like her voice. Now, down there's uh, another kind of little ironies here of things made later we did the omen last week now the omen was remade in nine in 2005 yes and you remember the one i called garbage nanny the terrible nanny well she's played by mia farrow in that in that movie yes mia farrow plays the demonic person with the devil's son trying to <laughs> protect him
1: how the years help you progress.
0: It's so funny because there was one role where Ruth Gordon says something about, "Oh, these young girls today," yeah. and Mia Farrell has almost the exact same line in in the in, Omen. in the Omen. She's Omen. they talking about the nanny kill, the, the, You know how they're having trouble finding a nanny. She goes, "Oh, these young girls today don't have any kind of responsibility." This is Mia Farrow saying this, you know, and it's so funny because it's, it's you know in. in you know, because I had just, Fred, my my late partner, had gotten some Peyton Place DVDs that somebody burnt off of some soap opera channel or something. So I'm all this time seeing Mia Farrow as a teenage Allison McKenzie. And then, you know, we saw, then we watched Rosemary's Baby. So then we watched this other thing that's like 40 years later, where Mia Farrow's an older woman now. And it was just a little bit, kind of a, yeah. Culture shock in a way. So yeah, and um, let's see some of the other performances. Uh, Ralph Bellamy, Doctor. Er- Actually, no. From one of the one of the not
1: want to say one of the larger roles, but a, somewhat of a supporting role. But one of the smaller supporting roles. He did an excellent job. He had the look. He had the mannerisms. Yeah. He had this. It really gave that. This doctor gave this foreboding sense. Like his whole character was very, put this kind of. Brought the mystery, so to
0: speak. Yeah, so to speak. I also
1: kind of felt like in a weird way, they don't make it out to be, but if you look at Dr. Saperstein, he sort of seems like this... um, Right-hand man, agent of the devil. They even give him that slight well, look in well, his, you know it's so in funny. his sort
0: of like. If you notice his like hair and makeup and stuff, and the way you make him look. The the uh, you know, Tales from the Crypt. You probably know the HBO TV show, but you know, originally there was a movie in 1972, uh, Tales from the Crypt. Okay. And Ralph Bellamy played the Crypt Keeper. They didn't have that, you know, <laughs> Crypt Keeper like that. And you remember the Santa Claus one they had done it on the TV? It was done in. It was, it was one of the segments in this one. And you know who played the woman that just killed her husband with a Santa Claus maniac is coming after her? Oh, goodness. Joan Collins.
1: Oh, yes man. yes, man. So, yeah, I give him credit. I think I Raleigh Emily did an excellent job. Uh, Charles the Rosen,
0: time. I mean, it was okay, but it was really kind of a. I think it was fine. It was a flat role, you know? Yeah. And now, okay, I'll tell you what I like. was Laura Louise. Pat, that's Patsy Kelly. She's a... She was a comedic character actress from the thirties, forties, and fifties. Hmm. She did a lot of uh, she did a lot of sitcoms in the sixties. There's one one of them I just recently saw an episode of Dick Van Dyke show she's in, where uh, Rob is doing jury duty, and, <laughs> and Rob is just he's just not he, he's just bumbling you know during jury duty. And why they made him the foreman, and there's this this. Hot, sexy blonde woman is the one that's on trial, and he's walking, and he—I guess—he steps on Patsy Kelly's toes, and she screams, Ow! <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that that was so funny. Uh, I liked her performance. I thought she was funny, especially when she stuck her tongue out, uh, Rosemary. When he—Oh, oh, oh that—that that was hilarious. <laughs> I always laugh at that part. And uh, yeah, pretty much all the other, um, uh, the other parts were pretty. So let's talk about the, some of the production stuff. Let's okay.
1: Talk yeah. About, uh, some of that things. Um, we talked about the, the styling, costuming, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. That I think was perfect for the time. It really, Yeah. it actually added this little layer of, um, interest Color throughout yeah. the movie that that was needed. It also was very interesting the fashions used on Mia Farrow at different parts in there. We didn't really get to talk yeah. about that, but that kind of conveyed that was its own little. The, Mia Farrow's fashion was a character unto itself in a way.
0: Well, you saw those quilted robes she wore. My, I mean, those were a
1: little cringeworthy. Those part, but I'm talking about the my other dress. My mom used to robes wear those,
0: wore. and my mom also <laughs> used to wear those feather hats like Ruth Gordon wore. Yeah. My mom used. She didn't like, you know, she she didn't like to go out anywhere unless her hair was all done. But of course, she had to drive us to school, and she didn't have time to get up at five o'clock in the morning and do her hair. So she had this feather cap she would put on. It almost looked like a wig. It almost looked like like an Afro wig, and it was all feathers. It was all duck feathers, and she used to wear that sometimes. To drive us to school and all the kids used to go what's that thing on your mother's head <laughs> but yeah the, yeah the quilted robes I and mean, she wore a lot of we, well, you know those all-in-one dresses that were real loose they called those shifts back then that's what, that was the name oh for yeah.
1: i forgot the name of that yeah. a shift they called yes, that a indeed. shift so that's fashion let's talk about uh set design yeah. art, art direction set design location designs okay so if, i'll make it first we'll talk about the apartment in a sec. Uh, just the the cinematography of what was on the street that that I think those were done on the New York streets. Like yeah, those have done. in all some, location. Honestly, actually, up to that point, that's probably gave some really excellent views of that area of New York. Those yeah. streets, like it really didn't make you feel like you were on the street there, walking, and that did feel that that was well done. Now let's talk about the apartment. That apartment was awesome, wasn't that it? That apartment was fantastic. Of nice. course, nowadays that apartment would
0: be go cool anywhere from it was like huge. 10 it was to 20,000 a month. It was Bigger than the, the house we live in. Yeah.
1: Now was that a real apart I didn't know that for sure. Did they use a real apartment in New well, York or was filming, that a set? I mean, Cuz sometimes they use a real apartment and to do all the yeah, the
0: interior of the brand apartments was constructed on soundstage. Oh, okay. Well, they did a excellent job. It really felt like the a- outside was all uh, was was pretty much the you know the, the, the building, the location. Okay. Now there is a um, there is a little bit of uh, a thing that happened during this filming. You know, Mia Farrow was married married um, Frank Sinatra, who was like, let's see, he was like like 25 years older than her or something like that. Yeah, And he was just an old-fashioned Italian man. And when she when she did the nude scenes and everything, he served her with divorce papers during the film. And they came, and um, she almost left. He, he wanted to quit. And he served her with divorce papers that said he would divorce her if she didn't leave this movie. And... She was at first, and then um when she saw um when she saw a rough cut, she knew that she probably would get nominated for an Oscar, which I think she was, and that's when she said she's not leaving. she wasn't mm-hmm. gonna let him bully her. I'm proud of her that she didn't yeah but. she said nope, that's not gonna happen you're not you you're not gonna do that. Because, you see that's how men were. especially I'm, i this is my own ethnicity Italian men the women are there property, and I think they're still like that to this day. Yeah, The wives and the husbands.
1: And you're making a point, even with talking about the actress Mia Farrow, I really feel bad for her, because you can tell, even just in here, her doing this role, you can tell, as an actress, she really strives to be an independent woman, but she was also a casualty of her time frame. Yeah, Frank Sinatra, and then you know, like we've talked about before in a, in a previous
0: bonus, her, her Marriage to Woody Allen. Oh, yeah. Her, yeah, yeah, that wasn't... They never boy actually legally married, but her relationship with and Woody Allen... And it's kind of funny, because we can kind of see... There's a lot of feminist undertones
1: in there, or highlighting you can see in this character. Like, of where you see this woman, Rosemary, being subjected to the whims of her husband. Like... The one most shocking things is the, is the haircut. I think the haircut oh. was a feminist
0: statement. Now I believe that the hair the, the the longer hair was a wig, even though she was in the shower with it and everything. But I believe that the long because she had cut her hair like that right, right like a year before. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I think it was it was a strong. If you really look at it and how it's presented and how it's it's a really strong kind of feminist statement in there if you really carefully, like, I'm going to do what I want to do and look like I want to be and be my kind of freedom. And, that, and I thought that was kind of powerful for the time. And I know we're talking about something, getting stepping away from the whole, you know, like, devil and spiritual part to really talk about something that I think was very feminist, very political in the movie, and I think it was needed. Because looking it up against um, the husband, he's criticizing her for that criticizing yeah. her for making a choice about how she looks and her right and the women were subjected well, the she went 16th. through
0: that in real life when she cut her hair when uh, with frank sinatra he didn't want her hair like that
1: right and that's what i'm saying it's almost like this character she used this she was, as some kind of therapy
0: she because <laughs> she was asserting her independence when she got that haircut when she originally got that haircut,
1: and this is in the era, this is the
0: late '60s, is when these pushes were being made. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I'm just looking right here. It says that um, he, uh, he he she you know she he cast her because of her role as Allison McKenzie in Peyton Place, and her unexpected marriage to Frank Sinatra. She had all this notoriety. So he cast her, even though he didn't see Rosemary as very waif-like and fey as she was. But I think she played it well. And Sinatra was was pissed off when she even accepted the role because he wanted her to quit and stay home. See, that's so typical because that's what his first wife did. Ava Gardner didn't do that though.
1: (laughs) So let's talk about more, a few more production things we haven't talked about. I mean. <laughs> I know you focus on acting, but I'm always like looking at everything. You know how I go. I like to look at all like. The oh thing. yeah,
0: you do a good movie commentary, um, DVD commentary.
1: But that, yeah, but I always, always, lo- I always look at the art. I always look at what's going on. I love the music. So let's talk about the score. Let's talk about the score. Okay. Yeah. They- how would you feel about the score? I love it. I think there's some classic. That's where we start to see. Those first real hints of what is well, to the come um, in 70s... 70, the, this they, is the 60s, but we're seeing the starts of what will be in seventies 70s well, chorus.
0: The well, one thing that figures really prominently is, for, for at least, the uh, um, Beethoven piece. Yes. And the name of the song, the lullaby, is called Sleep Safe and Warm. And it was composed by Christoph Kamida. And Mia Farrow actually sings that. And the Fur Elise is frequently used as background music throughout the film. It even got credited on there. And the soundtrack was released in 1968 on Dot Records. It didn't win the Academy Award, though, did it? No. No. No, I probably was competing with something else. Now, uh, Best Actress, uh, Best Supporting Actress, um, uh, Ruth Gordon won Best Supporting Actress and Best Screenplay. Roman polensky was dominated so I don't think it doesn't look like uh,
1: so that leaves us to talk about him how, how- Mia
0: Farrow was dominated for a, a Golden Globe Ruth Gordon won the Golden Globe okay she also won the Kansas City Film critics award and she also won um yeah that and in the uh, Hall of Fame Motion Picture Hall of Fame and it won the National Film registry it's inducted in the National Film registry so we, okay. What we, so the,
1: fi- the final production thing to talk about is the big thing in the room: Roman Polanski.
0: Yeah, Roman Polanski's. Director. Looking at
1: the body of his work, I mean, and, and because you're, you really are, really in a sense, Bear. You have studied so much in film. How do you feel this fits in the body of his work and in the body of film as a whole? How do you feel?
0: Well, this is definitely his masterpiece. And his films always have this tendency of intergenerational things, if you know, if you, if you know this. Because, you know, Tess is about the, the, the young girl being seduced by the older man. Yep. This, the, the older people are seducing this young couple, more or less. And Roman Polinsky, why can't he come to the United States right now? Yeah. Because he had sex with an underage girl. And yeah, you know, so you notice he has an intergenerational kind of of thing he's into,
1: which is which is kind. Of, which you bring up a good point about him. If we're gonna talk about the culture, which is frustrating, he did something illegal, and
0: yeah, in a sense, a lot. A and it's lot, so funny too because he even, really
1: should at either wise or in real life he should pay the price. At
0: and some it's point. so funny because Mia Farrow's life. Has a lot of intergenerational stuff in it, her marriage to Frank Sinatra, and then Woody Allen seducing and marrying her daughter. Yeah. So it's really, it's really kind of of, of odd. It's almost like it's, art it's imitating life. And life and yeah, and, and that like in real life, the 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 star of this movie and the director both have these intergenerational things and his work is a lot of in is very intergenerational and,
1: and he's going to go down as a very controversial figure for that yes. reason it's because yes the film is one of the greatest pieces of film art that's out there but at the same time him as a director he did things in his actual
0: life that, that were not so nice. need to come to account at some point <laughs>
1: yeah definitely saying that um before we go, I do want to thank my partner. This was actually his DVD because you were actually yes, saying, and yes, I want to thank and, and yeah. to give a little bit on that real quick. His mother's name. his late my his mother's uh, passed now, but uh, his mother's name is uh, was is or was Rosemary. So he was Rosemary's baby. Oh my god! Anyway, he was a, he was a twin, an identical twin, and they actually called. They call my partner the evil twin and his brother the good twin. <laughs> <laughs> so my partner is, is the evil twin, Rosemary's Baby. Uh, I just thought you said like that cute. But you were telling me that the DVD now is actually out of print, so it was good that we were able to... Yeah, the, the, Blu-ray is,
0: the Blu-ray is available now, yeah. The Rosemary's Baby, I've been talking talk about the whole media. The uh, DVD was re- released in 2000. It contains a 23-minute documentary film, Mia and Roman, and uh, it was shot during the making of the film, and the title refers to Mia Farrow and Roman Polinski. Notice the character's name's Roman, too. The older guy. He's Roman.
1: Oh, yeah. He's Gordon's
0: husband, yeah. Was that on purpose, you think? I don't know, because I don't know what the name in the original... um, original uh yeah uh, but you know he did but he did the screen but there is a criterion collection that was released in 2012 on blu-ray that's available yeah and um so that that's one uh thing that we did that, that's available today so anyway uh let's rate it now. we gotta rate it yeah it. uh how many shutters you give it i'm giving it five shutters yeah uh, you know what i am too i thought it was wonderful There's just some things. This is our first five shutter movie. We we may not give many. Trust me. And it is our first movie on Open Shutters Goes to the Movies uh, in its own podcast. So anyway, uh, you could follow Open Shutters Goes to the Movies on at on Twitter at a Barry Marino Five at Barry Marino Five. Not, no age, just at Barry Marino Five. The reason why it's that that name is on there when I was signing up for it, they asked name. I put my name on there instead of the name of the podcast. I got to change the name of the podcast, but I couldn't change the name of the uh, of the uh, the address. So rather, I, I just decided to keep it rather than going through all the trouble to start the whole new Don't blame page. You, <laughs> you know, and it's just because it's it's kind of a nuisance and it took a lot of. A lot out of me just to create it. And um, we don't have uh, Instagram yet. We'll be getting that soon. Uh, email is going to be for both podcasts. Oh, um, uh, openshelters at com. And um And eventually we're gonna have merch for all of Yeah merch for everybody because we're gonna For both podcasts Yes, yes, yes.
1: yes, And the art's been created actually by Lance Yes, by Lance
0: Designs. Lance Savageo Designs created both of our logos for both podcasts. And we also have um uh, we also gonna have we're gonna have an Instagram page for this and we also going to have a uh, Facebook group. I'm not going to do a Facebook business page for this podcast. Right, right. But I will do a Facebook group nice. where, where people can make, make uh, suggestions on what movies they want to interview, what, what they want reviewed. Anybody out there that's listening to this, email us at openshutters at yahoo.com and let us know if you've got a favorite movie you would like us to talk about. So until next week, <laughs> enjoy the view from the silver screen. But don't make it your final credits. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Y'all have a good one.